Welcome to the Digital Backpack, formerly known as Campfire. I'm Jeff. And I'm Aaron. Uh, it's a whole new podcast that feels a lot like the old podcast. Uh, we want to do a little bit of a brand refresh for moving into 2019. So we've shifted away from the Campfire branding and taken up the Digital Backpack branding. And you know what? This backpack feels good. Not too heavy, but I still know it's there. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just going to move on. We're- you've got you've got all your most important things with you in the backpack. I got my backpack on, my boots tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight. My boots tied tight. <laughs> I hope I don't get... I'm glad that that was not just me in my head that that was running through. I have like three movies that I can pull quotes from on a regular basis. And one of them is Billy Madison. That's probably like the most yes. popular movie in my head. But anyway, we're going to keep a lot of the the segments that you heard in Campfire, and we're going to be adding some new ones and trying some stuff out. So it'll be more of a rotating segment thing, uh, more than the consistent segments that you saw on Campfire or heard on Campfire, rather. And we're still going to be focusing on highlighting teachers doing great things in their classrooms. So the core of the podcast is going to remain the same, just like a, a little a little facelift to go into the next year. But don't worry, we still love s'mores. <laughs> All right, welcome to the What We're Digging segment of the podcast. This is a segment where we highlight a educational technology tool or a trend in education that we're really interested in and want to talk about. So, Aaron, what are we talking about in this episode? So, one of the updates in Google Classroom, one of the many updates I feel like over the past probably a year or six months, they've come out with a couple of really awesome updates that make it much more enticing or just easier for teachers to use. But one of them is the comment bank within Google Classroom. And I feel like we should give full disclosure that our guest later, Tracy, is the person that really turned us on to checking this out and and kind of seeing all of the awesome things in it. Yeah, thanks, Tracy. Uh, we went in there and looked at it after Tracy mentioned it because we've used Google Classroom in various capacities in the past. We're at a particular stage where we're less active utilizing it. But what's nice about the comment bank is once a learner has submitted an assignment using Google Docs um, and submitted it within Google Classroom, you can click through to the document and then it puts that panel on the right hand side. And you add some canned feedback responses, the ones that you provide most often. And you can add that over time as you see appropriate, obviously. But then in the comments within the document, you just put a hashtag or... Also known as a number sign. A number sign. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It'll start giving you some options from your comment bank to just quickly put in there. Not just like to make it easier to uh, speedily give feedback, but I think the opportunity there is like if you are giving out, if you're making it, if you're trying to automate the kind of feedback that you give regularly, it gives you more quality time to spend on that specific feedback that is uh, unique to that learner. Sure. The more you automate, the more opportunity you have to be uniquely human or do the uniquely human things. If you use it thoughtfully and not just like to whiz through your feedback, you can actually like be more nuanced in the feedback that you're giving to students. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder too, if it starts to make you, I mean, I feel like as a, as a teacher, when I was grading papers, I would start to notice if I was, if I was writing the same thing regularly, but I wonder if that kind of same trend would come up in that sense too, right? Where it's like, oh my gosh, I've used this comment like 15 times. It's time to review something that maybe all of my students aren't getting because I didn't teach very well. But I think ah. I think you're absolutely right on like, that it allows you to really focus in on something else and provide that authentic feedback, which, I, you know, Tracy's going to talk about when we interview her that her students have really come to appreciate. But I know that... Um, even when we work with teachers as kind of like in that learner student role, they really appreciate that specific feedback too. 
Well, cool. Check out the Comet Bank uh, within Google Classroom when you're giving feedback on assignments. On this episode, we're excited to have Tracy Smith with us. Tracy is a high school English teacher at De La Salle, and she was part of our Learn, Blend, Lead cohort last year. So she's going to mention that a little bit as we talk to her. But Learn, Blend, Lead was just a year-long cohort of about 25 teachers across the state of Michigan, where we started thinking a little bit about goals within their classroom, dove into blended learning, really worked on a solid implementation of technology in their classrooms and thinking about you know, how they're utilizing it to improve student learning digging into data to do that, and then kind of ending it with um, empowering these teachers to become more like teacher leaders and coaches and things like that. So we're excited to have Tracy with us. Well, welcome, Tracy. Thanks for joining us on your break. You're still on break, right? Yes, I am until Monday. And it's beautiful. Is it a beautiful, sunshiny day down there too? Yes, it is. And actually, I've been so enjoying my break. I haven't really been outside today. So I'm just looking out the window. I have enjoyed being home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll have to definitely get out and enjoy it later today. I know it's a sunny, like a 30 balmy 36 degrees. (laughs) And I am not enjoying returning to cold weather because I was in Florida for the first part of the break. So I'm not, I'm not ready. (laughs) That's right. Well, we kind of are always kick this portion off in the same way. So did you ever go to summer camp as a kid? Yes, I did several times. Okay. And I was a Girl Scout. Okay. So it was like a Girl Scout theme or like focused on Girl Scouts. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Any favorite memories from there? I love the campfire. I love, I love singing and doing the roasting the marshmallows. I love hiking, canoeing, all those different things. So I, I did it almost through high school. Yep. What's the appropriate level of doneness when roasting a marshmallow? For me, I like it to be pretty dark. It doesn't have to be like black, like crispy, but I like a nice, deep chestnut brown. And I like it to be on fire. You know? <laughs> and then, boy, <laughs> you know what we do our background, you know, in our backyard, we do the you know, small bonfire in the fire pit or whatever. It's you know, it's important the the right amount of brown. <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like I could go for um, a s'more yes. right, about, right about now. Yeah. Now. That sounds delicious. Well, Tracy, it sounds like, you know, we always kind of ask a little bit beforehand to think about what's going on in, in your camp or in your class mm-hmm. or your school, if you will. So you had a couple of different things that you were excited about, but One that I would love to know more about, because I know when we kind of left off last year when we were working together, um, you were sharing with us the advisory program that you developed. So I would just love to learn more about that and how it's going and how the kickoff went and really like anything and everything. Okay. Well, my partner and I am not doing it alone. We um, we've been doing advisory for the last five years and we realized it was just getting stale and we wanted to increase the community in our building. And that's a point of advisory building community. And so what we did, instead of having each advisory divided up um, by grade level, like one advisory was a ninth grade advisory, one was 10th grade, we actually shuffled up the entire school. So every single advisory has an equal amount of freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And so since we're a Catholic school and a Salian school, we divided up the entire student body into six we call them squadrons because of the pilot. So it's pilot themed. And so each of those squadrons is named after a LaSallean saint. They are coming up with their own crest to have their own identity. And each, each, the building is divided up into six parts. So each classroom who is part of a squadron will have that crest there in front of their classroom to just kind of create a community inside of our school community. And we have rolled it out Every single week, we have different activities, competitions, small groups in each room. And it has been, in some ways, awesome. In other ways, as as it was told to me when we first first rolled out this program, like jumping into a pool of freezing cold water. (laughs) 
<laughs> in terms of, you know, making major culture changes, you know, because in, in our school, singers are used to being the top dogs. Sure. They're not used to having to share, you know, to share and to mentor. They want, you know, especially during like spirit week. Now, instead of it being seniors against juniors, now it's your squadron. You know yeah. what I mean? So you're working as a group to, you know, get points and even for different fundraisers and our raffle season. So they're all working together okay. and it's literally breaking down barriers within the school community. And we talking about te- technology. We've been doing like regular surveys to kind of ask the students how they enjoy the changes. And one of the biggest um, positive, some of the most positive feedback has been from our underclassmen saying that they love getting a chance to, to get to know the seniors and the juniors on a culture level instead of them you know, just looking up to them and, and the seniors looking down, <laughs> you know, saying go home freshman or something like that, because you know, that's the culture of high school. And so um, it's been a huge culture shift um, for the students, for the yeah. staff. We've been able to uh, have, we added a different layer of student leadership too which has helped them being, they're called the co-pilots, you know, and they, they help to lead and to plan different activities. So we have a lot of student um, involvement and planning within it as well. And that helps for it to be more accepted when they see the upperclassmen who are the leaders leading the charge. That has helped a lot. So it's, it's been awesome. It's been, it's a lot on top of teaching <laughs> to to actually have the responsibility of leading the entire student body and staff, mm-hmm. you know, so we have to plan like we, since being in learn, blend, lead, I've gotten more courageous sure. with, you know, stepping out with technology. So we have a school-wide uh, webpage where we give the directions and activities and different things like that, that teachers can go on, you know, students, parents, whoever. So it's like an open portal for everyone to see what is going on and they get, you know, regular scores for their activities and stuff so they can stay up to date in terms of what's going on with the program. So um, it's helped me to actually use tech to lead the entire school, which was something that I had never even really considered before and you know, being comfortable enough and courageous enough to step out and do that, you know? And uh, so it's been, it's been good. And I've, I've definitely used everything I've learned from that year in, in our course to make it successful and to continue improving, you know, as we sure. continue to roll it out this year, because we have to, you know, with, private school, you have to go before the board, you know, with all of your programming and stuff. So, you know, we want to make sure and getting that feedback has been really helpful uh, in order to keep the program alive at the school. So it's been awesome, but a lot. (laughs) Tracy, I'm kind of interested in the board's reaction when you brought this to them for the first time and just kind of the conversations that you've might might have been having with them as it's rolled out? Well, actually, I actually don't go. Our administrators go. And so we have to make sure we have everything ready for them to present to the board. So like even when I come back from Christmas break, I have to do another survey of the students and the staff for them to present to the board in terms of this program's impact on our student body. And the 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 mm-hmm. best thing is having your the our administrators on board and them having our back mm-hmm. and supporting and pushing for it because they saw the need. And so although I haven't talked with the board one-on-one, we send everything to the board, gotcha. if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. And the administration is excited for oh, yeah. the school-wide impacts, Absolutely. both academically and culturally. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is definitely... Uh, it's changed the culture. You can like, for example, students who never really talked to each other are now, for example, going to games like the football games together, a freshman and say a junior who have never crossed paths before as a result of them being in this advisory on a weekly basis. Cause they, they see each other every day, um, certain times for 15 minutes and other times we have longer sessions that can last for, for 30, you know, for different activities. And so that has been very, very powerful. So Tracy, you know, just thinking about this, we know that building community in our schools is really helpful, but obviously there's always those pressures too, to like make sure that students are excelling academically and that they're learning all of the different curriculum that you need to cover. 
How do you feel like this has helped you find that balance between there's got to be this push for academic knowledge, but also there's a a big part of social and emotional learning that it sounds like you're addressing. How do you feel like you guys are balancing that? Well, that's a great question. Um, One of the things that our school has been pushing for is having more building opportunities during the day for socio and and emotional growth. So for example, we changed our school schedule this year. So you have two class periods, then advisory, two class periods, then a power hour, which could be like club time or if you need some um, remediation, different things like that. So that students will literally have time within the day to like breathe. Because certain times, I remember even the last few years, you could be in class for four and five classes straight, you know, before you have a break. And I'm teaching adolescent boys. And if anybody knows adolescent boys, <laughs> sitting for three four <laughs> hours straight, it's not fun for them. And it's certainly not fun for the teachers <laughs> who, sure. who have to keep them engaged. And so the advisory program is an excellent way to, to have them take a breather and to actually get a chance to talk to their friends. And then when it's over, it helps them to be more engaged when they have to go back to class. And also feeling safe in the school. One of the, the biggest, um, the most important things that parents look for in the school is safety. You know, people, students want to feel safe. Parents want to make sure their students feel safe. And a program like advisory helps students to feel safe. They have an advisor who they are assigned to. If they have issues, they can go to them. It's another adult who is who has their back, who knows them by name and who sees them on a regular basis. And it's a smaller group than classes as well. So they get to know um, students one-on-one. That's awesome. Thanks. I love, I love that schedule change. Yeah. It's a really insightful, um, process to think about like, how do we best educate them? Not, not only in terms of, of content, but thinking about, um, my dad always said the mind can absorb what the seat can endure, but I feel like there's research that shows yes. that that's even more, um, relevant and perhaps important for, for adolescent boys. So Yes. Thinking about that intentionally is is great. I love that you guys are doing that. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about so you you know you were talking about last year and being in Learn Fun lead with us, um, mm-hmm. and then you kind of shared in your your pre survey um, using Google Classroom in your English classes or just things that you're doing in your English classes that are exciting. What are you excited yeah. about or how have things changed maybe? Well, my, my project last year for Learn Blend Lead was engagement. And so I'm continuing to do that. Um, and so I've been focusing on feedback, meaningful feedback that I give to the students and I want to get feedback from them. And I started that last year and that has been a really powerful process. I love the changes that Google Classroom has made, especially as an English teacher teaching writing, because I feel like that is an area where students really need to focus in order to be prepared for college, especially when we teaching some of the upper, the upper levels. And so some, some of the things that have been really exciting for me is, oh my gosh, the changes using the comment bank. Rev- I, before I was trying to program it and going through all these extra steps sure. to have a comment bank, it is built in now. So now all those different things that I need to, that I say on a regular basis, I could just click a button and I can grade it and give them feedback so much more quickly. Because one of the important things that I've been studying about meaningful feedback is actually a quick turnaround. And for me as an English teacher, that is hard when you have a hundred students on your class load, you know? And so trying to come up with a way to get to have them right, but to give them meaningful feedback that is given quickly, it's hard. And so that is something that I've been working on. And so one of the exciting things that I've been doing is doing better with scaffolding. So for example, every task, writing task that I give is connected to a skill. So like, for example, in my honors 10th grade class, they were struggling with writing effective thesis statements. So I'll use, for example, different videos on thesis statements, many lessons in class and workshops around thesis statements before I give them the writing task. And then when they write it with Google Classroom, they can color code it. So instead of me having to look through the whole essay, I can focus in, for example, on their thesis statement, you know, and I'll have them say, you know, your thesis statement should be highlighted in yellow. 
So every single person who turns in that writing task is highlighted. I can give them feedback and it's just razor focus on the skill. And for the next one, I add another skill and I want you to highlight that, you know, in blue. For example, you know, when you, how you integrate your quote into a sentence, something like that. And I literally have been scaffolding every single writing task and and it's done in a way where I can grade them quickly and it's razor focused instead of me as a teacher being overwhelmed with where should I focus for this assignment? Because you can't focus on every single little thing when you have a hundred students Sure, and get it back to them quickly. And oh my gosh, I've gotten such great. They're like, thank you so much for helping us to focus in and just being very explicit with exactly what I'm going to be assessing. I give them feedback on other things too, but I'll tie that final grade to specifically that skill, you know? So that has been very helpful. And with all the different things that Google Classroom has, with the new updates for this school year, it has been very beneficial. And we literally have a conversation back and forth in the comments, which has been awesome. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like you've alluded to it a little bit, but if you think about how you used to teach these things versus now, like, what do you, how do you feel like that changes their learning experience or what advantages does it provide for you? For many of my students, writing is scary. They don't want to do it. It's it literally, or they're just used to doing, you know, really coming from, especially early high school, they're used to book reports. They're not used to analysis and, you know, going deep. That's scary. And they don't really know how to do it. And so by teaching it skill by skill, it's almost like Legos, you know, building blocks. It makes it much more attainable. And they don't feel like their entire essay is, you know, bleeding in red. (laughs) That is that is intimidating for any student when you when you don't get anything positive. You know what I mean? You can't see your growth. And this way, with them actually looking at each essay by skill, they can literally see, oh, wow, I've grown. And that's another thing that I've been doing. I've been having them track their progress based on the skills that I have been teaching them. For this next essay, I want you to give me, I have them write a short reflection on how have you grown based on, look at your first essay or writing task, whatever. It may not be a full essay. How, what feedback did you get there and how has it changed for this next, for this next writing task? And so they actually feel and, and see evidence of, of success and evidence of their own learning and growth in writing. It's interesting how you're talking about scaffolding success and like, and part of that is keeping out, um, like acknowledging that there's growth elsewhere. Uh, that's, it's just kind of implicit, but we're not always going to intentionally talk about all of that stuff, but you're not shying away from excluding all the context, uh, that's involved in writing. We're just not going to focus our feedback on it. We're not going to focus really our conversation on it. I'm kind of interested in what you talked about at the end with the conversation in the comments. Yeah. You know, just elaborating a little bit about what that's like. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you haven't always had conversations with students in an iterative way to grow their, um, grow their skills. Yeah. Um, And just talk a little bit about how the medium itself affords that. Yes. But then also like, like, what are the human qualities that you're doing that you're noticing that, that are encouraging students to talk back with you? Because I, I assume just throwing it in a Google document doesn't make that happen. No. So with the process, one of the things that I have learned is don't give the entire essay. <laughs> so as I'm teaching, especially as they're really learning how to become good writers, sometimes I have to give the essay in parts. So for example, I'll assign the intro, right? And then everybody has to write. I literally have broken down all the aspects of an effective intro. What is an effective attention getter? What does it look like? How do you connect it to your content? How do you introduce your novel, the title? And then how does that feed into a thesis statement? And what I'll do is I will teach that, give many lessons. I will show videos, assign them on you know YouTube clips, anything that I can find that would relate to that skill in addition to my um, direct teaching in the classroom then they have to complete the task. And I give them, I give feedback to everyone on that particular paragraph. 
right? And so we'll literally have check-in times in, in classroom. I'll literally go through it. We'll have like writing workshop time. They're writing and I will call up every single student to my desk and give them feedback. You know, I'll have typed it on up for them or it will even be a verbal conversation about what they have written. And they'll literally say, oh, I need to add this literally in real time. And so instead, before I would just give the assignment you know, some years ago, and I would get these essays where we would just have to start from scratch again. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not doing that anymore, anymore, you know? And so I've been taking it piece by piece and I have gotten so much better quality of work. Students take more, just, it's just, they're more proud of the work that they present to me now because I know they are taking their time. And it's because I'm explicitly teaching every single step instead of assuming that they know it. And that's a mistake that many teachers make, especially in the high school level. We assume that they know or they that they should know, but they don't. (laughs) And we literally I I have to be explicit Mm -hmm. about it. And that has, oh, my gosh, it has helped them tremendously. I did that for my one in terms of engagement for my seniors. Instead of having them write their college essays outside the classroom, I actually made it an assignment in class and gave them tips and broke it down step by step for how to do a good personal statement. And I gave everybody feedback. I got emails from parents thanking me for helping them walk through that process. And that was the first assignment that I gave for the year and it set the tone. They were like, oh, she really, she really cares about me, you know, and my life outside of this class as opposed to just jumping into Hamlet per se. Does that make sense? So I'm, I've just been very, very intentional in terms of scaffolding Absolutely. their success and um, walking, th- walking them through, literally guiding them. And I have seen so much more progress with my students and they, their confidence in their skills has grown tremendously. That's awesome. I, I love your point about that assumption that we make as like secondary teachers. I, w- I taught middle school longer mm-hmm. than I did high school, but I, I had like a moment in my teaching career where it was like, I keep assuming mm-hmm. they know these things. And then I, so I assign them and I get them back and it's not what I'm looking for. And at some point it has to be this internal conversation or reflection where you're like, yep. is it me or is it them? Yep. And maybe it's me. And how do I go about fixing that? So it seems like that's something that you, you've definitely done. But um, the other point that I would love to ask more about is you're talking about just feedback from the students. Mm-hmm. Do you collect that like through surveys? Are you, yep. you know, in those kind of like mini sessions where you give them feedback, are they providing that to you then? And then what do you do with it after you get it? Okay. So I try to get feedback from them in a variety of ways. For one, I told you the reflections about their growth, you know, and I'll even ask them, what are some, what is, what is something else that you would like to, to grow in? What is the area you would like to focus on, you know, in terms of a a strength, a, a skill that you think you need some additional help with? I'll ask them that. Um, I'll do different exit tickets, for example, where I'll do check-ins. How are you feeling with this skill? Let me know. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, even last year, I started doing like engagement surveys. What are some things you would like to learn this year? I especially did that with my seniors because they're in their their last year. And so last year, um, they asked to learn about um, more about business writing, for example, resumes and letters, because in this digital age, they're not used to letter. They don't even know how to address a letter. Mm-hmm. Right, they've never done it. And they're like, we need to know more about that. And so, I added that to the curriculum. And so, I've taken their suggestions and added it. And I've I've walked students. So, anybody who needs some additional help in terms of when I ask them, like, how are you doing? What can I do to help you? Now that we have, I told you about that power hour, which is that mm-hmm. additional time that they can use for clubs or mediation. I will have students who are requesting that additional help come to see me during power hours so I can walk them through different things that they are struggling with or, or say they want to um, not just struggle, they want to extend their learning. That's an opportunity to do that as well. And so that's how I do it. And I, and I keep the surveys. I oftentimes when I give a whole class survey, I will go over the, the data with them because I love, you know, they have the pie charts and everything. I literally would go through that with them. This is what you said. So let's see how we can incorporate that into 
our learning experience this year. And that has been really beneficial too. They feel like the students told me, I feel heard, you know, that you actually listen and are, and care about what I think and what we need. You're also modeling how feedback can be received and how it can yes. be. Uh, I can, we can only speak on our own experiences, but I, I think like how to receive feedback was never modeled for me. Neither. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I get evaluated, I get a rubric back and, and it's kind of like, how do I move forward with that? Mm-hmm. And to see someone ask for feedback on something and then to be transparent about, hey, this is what I heard from you. I want to clarify that, mm-hmm. that I was hearing this correctly and here are uh, ways that I'm thinking about incorporating that into my practice and what we do here uh, in order to improve, you know, raise all the tides for <laughs> for our group, yeah. you know, you can look at it from your perspective of you're just getting better. Yeah. That's the main purpose. But what incredible modeling for students to be able to see a uh, professional do this. And then when they're given the opportunity to own their own data, what are they going to do with that once they have it? And I think having you kind of lead the charge for that and be in the trenches with them, yeah. being who you are expecting them to be with feedback is yeah. just a a really great opportunity that you're taking advantage of. And they're also getting better with be giving constructive criticism, you know? <laughs> so that, it's a, this class sucks, you know? Because sure, sure. <laughs> I've had that too, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, but how can I make it better? Give me something to work with here. <laughs> you know, it, it, it has helped them to be more, you know, detailed and just constructive and like actually give meaningful feedback. And actually it's helped me now as this position as leader, talking about surveys, I have to be evaluated myself by my own peers and I have to look at their feedback from me as the leader for this program, you know? And so it kind of helps me to understand what they go through when I have to give them feedback, you know, and so it's, it's, it's modeling it, it's, it's living it actually, <laughs> you know, as a, a program developer in the class, in the school and helping them to, to go through that process and training them how to go through it and be okay with receiving constructive criticism. Because especially in my honors classes, I have many students who have never gotten anything but an A. Mm-hmm. And so they come to my class and they got, you know, say a B or a B plus and they are freaking out, you know, oh my God. You know, I get emails. Can I come sit with you? You know, and so it's teaching them, you know, that that you have room for growth, you know, and one B is not going to destroy mm-hmm. your grade. So um, that has been helpful as well. I'm sure, too, in, in that same kind of vein is, is that reflection piece that you're asking them to get really metacognitive about their own learning, which I think sometimes... Yes. Especially when things come easily to you, you're not as cognizant of, you know, well, I, I just wrote the paper. That's what I just did. Um, but starting to, to think about how did that happen and why did that go well for me or how am I growing and, and what's impacting that? I think those are great pieces too. And I, I've also been doing that. I know I've been talking about writing, but I've, I've literally explicitly taught metacognitive markers for reading mm-hmm. because part of the reasons why many students don't write well is because they don't, you know, they don't deconstruct content well. They don't pay attention when they read, you know, and for an essay where you have to use, you know, detailed textual evidence and, you know, and use it to support your opinion when they don't think about their thinking, think about their reading and make connections to it, they're going to struggle. And so metacognition, and they're like, oh, God, there you go talking about <laughs> about our thinking. <laughs> but we, I try to model that as well. And I uh, like one of the things we have uh, smart projectors, not smart boards. And so our pens, it's, it's a dumb board, but our pens make it interactive. If that makes sense. And so I will mm-hmm. like model reading a text and what bubbles up for me as I'm reading it, you know, and I'll mark it on the board to show and give them symbols. And, you know, and of course they can come up with their own system, but just to get them started to, to know how to think about your thinking when you're reading, how do you notice literary elements, irony, and, you know, all types of things. And, and I love 
try to model that for them and then send them out to do it at home by themselves, you know? And so metacognition is very important and it's something that I, I often stress in the classroom. Yeah. It's something like, you know, our, I think our daughters are the same age. And yep. so I was, my daughter was reading at home the other night and I was like, oh my gosh, remember when we saw mm-hmm. that rhino in the zoo? And she was like, yes, mom. And I keep <laughs> reading. It's <laughs> like, oh, I was just trying to demonstrate good metacognition. But again, that's one of those things that like, by the time you're in middle school or high school, you think, oh, they've already got this. They remember it. Um, but something that explicitly yep. breaking down is so helpful for them. It's interesting too, even as an adult learner, when yep. um, explicitly charged with using an annotation strategy or talking to the text or anything like mm-hmm. that, uh, especially in a group learning setting, how powerful that is to just be absolutely able to capitalize on your transparency of thought and have thoughts that you don't all, you don't always have the thoughts that you have if you don't explicitly try to cultivate them. Yes. And so while, you know, reading, we probably don't want to uh, um, talk to the text every single time we read anything right. because people in the the waiting room at the doctor's office might think we're crazy. <laughs> There's varying levels of intimacy that you need to have with, with a text in order to understand. It's not something that ever goes away where it's not helpful. And I agree. Like I have, learn so much from them like they will show discuss a perspective that i had never considered and i was like see you guys have taught me something as a result of you taking your time and actually thinking and us discussing as a community we learn together and that i i don't know sometimes you have those perfect moments in teaching you don't get many where you just want to just pause it and just savor that moment you know and having them talk to the text and annotate and and discuss together has created many of those moments. They just bubbled up. And I'm just like, oh, can I just freeze this, this <laughs> for, the rest of the, for the rest of the year, you know? And you can literally see their eyes opening like, oh, I get that now, you know? And it's been, it's been awesome to do that. That's awesome. Tracy, I want to ask you one more question that I didn't um, prompt. I didn't prompt you with. I didn't share with you before. So it is a little on the spot. But if you could think of like your hidden teacher talent and maybe not so (laughs) hidden, but what's one thing that you feel like you just like you've got down or or you're like willing to try or, or something like that? And I feel like this is a hard question because teachers are like a naturally yep. humble species. But you said you were a risk taker. So here's your chance. I think girl. one of the things that makes me a, a strong teacher is my ability to read the room and pay attention to students. Like I can I, I can look at their faces and know when they're confused. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I can read the room really well. And that has helped me when I am not connecting. So I'm very good at connecting, very good. And making content, I guess I'm a kid at heart. And so I can, <laughs> a lot of teachers are, right? With kids at heart. <laughs> so I can connect it to their lives well. And I can, I just kind of can pick up from them when they get it and when they connect with me. And so I, I'm really good at connecting and reading the room and knowing how to meet the needs of those students. Cause it can change depending on the period. What works first period doesn't necessarily work with my students third. For sure. And you have to know to, when to switch and you know, what other mm-hmm. tool that you need to break out of your belt in order to teach the skill or have a move a discussion along. And I'm good at that. Really good at that. That's awesome. I I feel like probably the fact that you are so willing to honor and accept their feedback and discuss it with them probably just makes them feel like it's a safe space to be really mm-hmm. transparent and share where they're at with you too. Yes, absolutely. Well, being that it is a sunny day, I don't want to take up <laughs> any more of your time, especially because you're on break. But Tracy, I just really appreciate your your energy that you bring to the classroom and your willingness to take risks and try something new and just being a leader within your school. So 
Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. I'm honored to uh, be a part of this today. Something I really appreciated about what Tracy was talking about was that she has gone so far as putting that advisory program together and the way that she thinks about how essential feedback is to learning conversations and whole child growth. It's fantastic how much robust supports she's been kind of the leading charge for at her school. Yeah. I think that I noticed too, there's just this cyclical nature as there are, as there is, I'm sure to many things, but you know, the more that she asks for student feedback and actually takes it and implements it, the more engaged her students are or the more trusted and safe they feel. And it's just this huge kind of cyclical pattern of if you're boosting some of these things, other things are going to come along. So I feel like she's just done a really excellent job of, like you said, narrowing in on how can I make students feel safe and how can I make their voices be heard and make this class feel like it's not just about the content, but it's about learning and it's about providing them with strategies that they'll need to use, right? When she talks about having them write some of their college essays and things like that, it, it's she does such a great job of considering that. And I feel like when she does that, she's showing the students that they're valued and trusted and they're just going to give her more of their effort and be more engaged in her classroom too. Thanks so much, Tracy. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Good morning, students and staff. Before we get started with today's announcements, we'd like to give a big old shout out to a rock star teacher. Greg is a high school PE teacher who's doing some amazing things to incorporate technology and video into his PE class, especially in the weight room. He also collaborates with other PE teachers to improve instruction. Let's hear from Greg. Take it away, Greg. Take it away, (laughs) Greg. (laughs) Hello, my name is Greg. I am a high school physical education teacher. I've been teaching for about 11 years now. Um, I also am a coach here at the high school that I teach at. Um, The first question of how do you personalize your own professional learning, I think um, for me is I set goals, goals I want to achieve um, after each semester and at the end of the year. And then a lot of it has to do with reflection of what I've taught. after each unit or after each semester um, and and how do I want to improve on getting the information to my students we um, use blackboard um, so the students will, can go on um, see what we're doing in the unit but it's how I put that information in blackboard I'm trying to utilize more technology um, instead of putting paper in there and they just read it off and or me standing in front of class and tell them, okay, you're going to do X, Y, and Z, and, and, and let's go. Um, so I'm trying to incorporate more of a video concept um, in my um, instructions. Um, as far as how do you or could you encourage um, other staff, um, myself and another physical education teacher who also teaches weight training with me, um, we've kind of came up with um, collaborated with um, using more video, um, especially in the weight room. Um, again, it's something that it, it takes away from us talking and, and the students hearing our voice all the time is, is um, okay, here's a video on these machines, these exercises, I'll break it down on how to use them. Um, and then the students can go in there and, and, um, start using the machines and exercises. Um, so we constantly cl- uh, collaborate with each other on how to improve our uh, instruction um, and, and also how to improve uh, my personal goals as, as a teacher. So I feel like one of the most impressive things about Greg's takeaways are that it's always difficult when I work with teachers to think about how to incorporate technology into PE classes. 
And not only has he, you know, been utilizing a learning management system, Blackboard that he talks about, but he's also thinking about how he can use videos to like improve students form or their understanding of how to use different machines in the weight room. Yeah. And I, I think a big takeaway for me is just how reflective he is. He talked a lot about setting goals and taking a look at what he needs, gathering data constantly in his head. He's he's taking an honest look at himself and, and where his students are at and going forward with that. And he carries that into his collaboration with colleagues, which is just fantastic. Yeah. And probably really necessary too. I feel like a lot of the teachers that take podcast PD with us are teachers who aren't in the core content areas and are really looking for something that's more personalized to them because otherwise, um, you know, maybe they get grouped into like the, okay, enrichment teachers go work together, but then you've got like a computers teacher, the foreign language teacher, um, art and gym. And while they might have some similarity and crossover, it's not always the case. So um, mad props to Greg for thinking about how he can personalize his PD, but also acting on it and and spreading that awareness and, and collaborating with others. Absolutely. Greg's response comes from a assignment in our podcast PD course. So uh, if you're interested in the podcast and you like learning along with us and you want to kind of extend that learning a little bit, go ahead and check out podcast PD in the professional learning portal. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes. All right, Aaron, it's time to say goodbye in probably more ways than one. Say goodbye to the first episode of the Digital Backpack, which I think, did I say that right? The Digital Digital Backpack. Backpack. I need to (laughs) enunciate. Anyway, it's also uh, the last episode that Aaron is going to appear on the podcast I might just have to call in randomly to the Google voice number. Really? You should call in randomly the Google voice number. (laughs) You should also just randomly take podcast PD and be like, "Mm." yes. I'm going to be like, this is the greatest course ever in teaching me how to personalize my PD. (laughs) Uh, But um, Aaron, Aaron, you've been, you've been with Michigan virtual for two years now. How how long is it? Just over two. Yeah. Two Just years. Over two years. You're transitioning out of the organization. You're taking up a new position. Tell us a little bit about that new position. Sure. So the new position is called a community health coordinator, which is through our local health department. And it's a place that um, I feel like as a kid, I split time, right? My dad was a teacher. He taught eighth grade social studies for years which I taught and my brother teaches. So we spent a lot of our time in the school because that's where we would hang out with my dad. But my mom worked for the health department for 40 years. Most of her career was spent there. So that was kind of like my my other place to split time at as a kid. So it's an organization that I've known for many years. And I'm really excited. I still get to bring a lot of my educational background and experience. I'm going to be working with middle school classrooms I just totally dig getting to hang out in middle school classrooms. And it's such a cool point, you know, just in students' lives. I know middle schoolers are your jam too, but I taught taught middle school for six years. So I'm excited to to be back there, be a little bit more local. The, the town that I live in, Petoskey, is where I was raised and um, just kind of have done some reflection on how important this town and this community was for me and thinking about how I can serve this community and and try to give back to it. Well, I'm really happy for you. And it sounds like it's going to be another great adventure that, that you get to go on. Uh, I'll miss hosting this with you. I'll miss working with you. I I just really appreciate everything you've done for me and it's not, it's not goodbye for us, but just a, just a new chapter. Right. And so I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you and thanks for going on this journey with me for, for so long. Well, thank you. That feeling is mutual. I've had a blast recording podcasts. I feel like sometimes in the, like in the monotony or in like the super difficult work that we do, this is one of the like shining lights. And I'm, I'm really glad that like two years ago when I approached you and said, Hey, remember that podcast you used to do? What do you think if we brought it back together that, that you were totally on board and I have enjoyed doing these podcasts with you. I feel like I've learned a lot from you in podcasting. But outside of that, in in the role that we play too. So thanks. 
And now I'm going to write down the Google voice number on a sticky note so I can just keep calling in and bothering you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get it to you. No problem. If you want to subscribe to this new channel, if you go to anchor.fm slash digital backpack, that's where the new podcast channel is hosted. And it'll give you, I think, nine or 10 uh, syndication options, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and my my new favorite, Pocket Cast. Really? Uh, yeah, Pocket Cast is, is my jam. Okay. You can get rid of the silence between words and you can mess around with the speed at which the podcast reads to you. Mm-hmm. And you can do it based upon individual podcasts. So you can like kind of hone those in on one. slow ones. talkers. You can pick that pace up. You can speed them up. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for ones like story-driven ones, you probably don't want to mess with the the pace too much because that helps you. But the news ones, definitely, I just, like, whiz through them. Anyway, anchor.fm <laughs> slash digital backpack gets you a bunch of subscription options. And as mentioned earlier, Podcast PD is in the professional learning portal. There's two courses. One of them is on screencasting and, I, I don't know, changing the future of education, mm-hmm. just changing the world for the better. And the other one is on Google Forms and competency-based learning. So go check those out. And uh, thanks again, Aaron. Thank you. We'll miss you. Until next time. Bye. That's a good thing. <laughs> we're off to a good start. So why are we here? We're doing a podcast. Podcast. 